Thanks for listening to the Media People Podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Views expressed by participants are personal. From small town northern Ontario to the heart of Canada's media industry, today we chat with Tara Sherk, Group Director of Strategy at Red Magnet Omnicom Media Group. Originally from Dundalk, Ontario, a town of roughly 3,000 people, Tara spent the early part of her life on a farm. She moved to Beaverton during her high school years and then relocated to Barrie, Ontario to study advertising at Georgian College. Tara's media career started before she even had the chance to graduate. As a digital media assistant at M2 Universal looking after high-profile clients such as the Dairy Farmers of Canada and the Royal Bank of Canada. From there, she moved on to senior digital roles at OMD and Visium. Tara pivoted to media sales when the opportunity presented itself with the Globe and Mail. But agency life would come calling again, and Tara took on a full-time programmatic role at Touche under the Omnicom Media banner. An internal promotion presented itself with Red Magnet, an OMG agency specifically created to serve Rogers Communications, Canada's largest telecommunications company. What makes Tara's story so interesting is the fact that she brings experience from three different digital media disciplines, direct planning and buying, programmatic strategy, and media sales. Omnicom Media Group is one of the largest media marketing and communications companies in the world, uh, based out of New York. Uh, Red Magnet is the agency that represents Rogers in Canada, and my role there is currently the group director of strategy and the head of the programmatic team. Let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? So I grew up in a small town called Dundalk and lived there for about 14 years on a hobby farm. And when I was about 14 and a half, halfway through grade nine, I uh, moved to Beaverton, Ontario. Okay, so I looked both of those towns up on Wikipedia. I mean, when you say small town, you're not joking. Dundalk, whopping 2,000 citizens, and then Beaverton, 2,800, not that much more, although 30% more than what you were used to. The stereotypes about small towns, are they true? Do they, does everyone really know each other? Is there really kind of a lot of like localized gossip? I grew up in suburban Toronto, so I couldn't, I, I don't have that experience. It's 100% true. Uh, as much as you try to keep your business private, small towns are incredibly close. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone is spreading everyone else's business. Uh, we actually had a uh, one of the guys in our high school start a an email chain called The Rant, where he would just put people on blast from the town. So absolutely true what you hear about small town gossip. You've described growing up in small town Canada or small town Ontario, like being an episode, being in an episode of South Park. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So there's an episode of South Park where a bunch of the locals are sitting at a bar and a new person comes in and they kind of exclaim, like, we don't take kindly to your type around here. Uh, Beaverton specifically was such a small town that when someone new would come in, especially someone in, you know, a similar age range, people would get very defensive, especially like the men in town, because, oh, there's a new guy here and this is threatening our sort of flock. Did everyone, I assume, go to the same high school? Pretty much. Uh, I lived on the border, which was between Aurelia and going to school in a small town called Cannington. So anyone that was on the one border school, everyone on the other side of the border went to one of the two schools in Aurelia. So uh, you basically got to know everyone within an hour of where you lived because our bus ride was about an hour long. 
And you had mentioned that you you'd move you'd started in Dundalk and moved uh, when you were in high school to Beaverton. Was there a difference between living in either town or were they relatively the same? Oh no, Dundalk was cowboy boots and tractors, and Beaverton was uh, trying to sort of act like they were a little bit more city than they were. A um, <laughs> little bit of a different culture, a lot more pajamas in high school, but definitely very different crowds of people. So what kept you busy uh, growing up? Like, what were your interests or your hobbies? Um, so if you live on a farm like I did, your your hobbies and your interests basically end up being chores. So most of my childhood was spent taking care of chickens, um, going out to the garden, having to weed, uh, or my mom would just say, to me, please go outside. Don't come back until you can't see the back of your hand anymore. <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about growing up, though. Did you have any influences, anyone that you looked up to? I wouldn't say so. I really didn't know what I wanted to do in the career world until I was in my 20s. So for me, you know, I would look up to musicians and comedians. I, I have always loved comedy. So I would look up to, you know, comedians and movies and stuff like that, but never really had business influences or people that I looked up to in a broader sense until I was much older. Was there a comedian that stood out? That's a very hard question. I am, I would say I'm comedy obsessed. Probably Will Ferrell, of course. Uh, Step Brothers is one of those movies I can put on a million times. I love Pauly Shore. Uh, watched all of his movies. Biodomes is one of my favorites as well. So I think I was always just influenced by people who could make other people laugh. Pauly Shore, there is a name I have not heard in a while. For me, I'd say In the Army Now was my favorite Pauly Shore film. It's an excellent movie. What was your first job ever? Like I said, outside of chores, which are, are not really considered a job because my parents refused to pay me to do them. Uh, <laughs> I, my first paid job was probably rock picking when I was uh, about eight or nine years old. My friend and I would get in her parents' old uh, standard truck and we would drive through the fields and pick rocks out before they went in uh, with the tractor. Uh, after that, it was probably dishwashing in a restaurant at 14 years old because my parents refused to buy me a cell phone. So I had to figure out how to pay for my own. You talked about picking rocks. Can you elaborate a little bit further what that is? I know it sounds like picking up rocks, but what happens to them after you do pick them and take them home? <laughs> I don't think I ever took rocks home. I actually <laughs> don't. I think they just dumped them in a rock pile. Oh, it's about clearing the rocks out. Yeah. You got to oh, clear God, the I'm rocks totally so that when the yeah, so when the tractor goes into the field and they're tilling up the soil, that the tractor blades are not hitting large rocks. So we would, as scrawny eight-year-olds, go with her her dad's little pickup truck by ourselves and sweat and sweat and pick up these rocks out of the field. Oh, God, I literally thought you were picking up rocks to, like, use for stonemasonry work around the farm or anything like that. I was No, it was def definitely not that glamorous. <laughs> but hey, you know what? You were nine years old and you were driving a stick shift. That is a dying yeah. art nowadays. Terribly, but yes, that's what we did. What brought you to Georgian College and why advertising? That's actually a really interesting question because I don't even know how to answer that myself. Uh, I moved to Barrie after I had been working for a couple of years. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do in college. So I decided to move to Barrie, the big city, spend some time with um, friends and then really just kind of try and figure out what I wanted to do with my career. Of course, Georgian College is the local college of Barrie, Ontario. So 
I believe I just started applying. Um, for me, it was really about what can I do creatively, which was a passion of mine, but also selling things, which I also love. So combining those two passions for me, I believe is what led me into advertising. Was there a bit of shock when you moved to Barrie? Like I know Barrie, I mean, Barrie was obviously bigger than Beaverton and Dundalk and it's not like Toronto, but living in small towns where at the most you had 2,800 people in there, was there a bit of shock when you relocated to Barrie or not really? Surprisingly, yes. I thought Barrie was going to be more like when it was absolutely like a small town with more people. So everyone still knew the gossip. There were still small cliques in town, but Barrie had a lot more so it was a very nice your first media job was also your first job at a college but it's not really fair to say that it was at a college because you landed where while you were wrapping up your studies uh that would be m2 universal so i was very very lucky that i kind of put my nose to the grindstone when i was in college i made a good impression on some of my teachers one of my professors there actually put me in contact with uh, someone who's actually still in the industry now at McLaren McCann. And I was actually able to get myself into a digital assistant role before I had actually graduated college. What clients did you work on when you first started at uh, M2? So my first official client was RBC, and I also worked on Dairy Farmers of Canada. Those are two completely polar opposite companies. You've got financial services and then you've got a, a marketing or a, like a milk marketing board or a provincial or a farmer's marketing board. There, I finally got it right. Uh, <laughs> how different were they to work on? What did you learn from working on both of them? They were absolutely different types of clients. Uh, it was a, an interesting learning experience. I think I was so overwhelmed just learning how to do billing at the time that I don't remember <laughs> much of actually putting plans together. Uh, but I do remember that I met some really amazing contacts on both of those accounts that I still speak to to this day. So it was really the first foray into finding my love of media. From there, you moved on to OMD. What brought you there and what was your role? I will credit Daniela Parisi, uh, Daniela Stanish, with uh, bringing me over to OMD. She was one of the first people that I met and bonded with in media. She left uh, M2 to follow Tom Fotheringham. I thought that sounded like a great idea, and I really liked her style of just teaching and mentoring and just being awesome at the same time. So I decided to follow her and Tom over to OMD uh, to see what the rest of the world was like. At OMD, what clients did you work on? So my two biggest clients were Pepsi and Frito-Lay, which had Doritos, Gatorade, uh, and Lay's chips. I also worked on Campbell's, Subaru, as well as HMV. Oh, God, HMV. There's, do you miss that store? Because I totally miss that store. Uh, I definitely miss the store. I actually really loved the client that I worked with on that. And I think she was one of the first people that really made me enjoy my job. Out of the different clients that you worked on at OMD... Which one did you learn the most from? Like you can look back at your career and say, you know what, I'm glad I was on that client because it's helped me get as far as I am. That would have to be Gatorade. Gatorade was one of the more well-rounded brands where we participated in conversations around event marketing and sponsorship and working with athletes. So I really got to work with the different agencies on that. And some of the campaigns that we put out at that time were just 
so interesting to me. And I was really in love with the snowboarding and skateboarding culture at that time. So I would say Gatorade was probably one of the biggest learning experiences for me at OMD. What brought you to Visium? And did you find that role or did the role find you? If I remember correctly, I think the role found me. I think it was just a a change of time at that point. Uh, I was really loving OMD. I spent three and a half years there. But for me, it was about making a change and being able to experience something different in my career. Uh, I really wanted to keep moving forward in digital. Digital was getting bigger and bigger every year. So it was really that opportunity to move on, try something different and, you know, get a little bit uncomfortable. I wanted to ask you a question about the differences between the agencies. Let's put the clients aside that you call on at the respective agencies, because I know that goes a great deal in defining what your role is and what your experience is at the agency. But how much do things differ between, say, doing the same job at Visium versus the same job at OMD or even M2? The job itself shouldn't be that different. Realistically, every agency has their own sort of model in terms of what they like to do and how they like to present things. I think the bigger changes come in terms of process and thinking, uh, and the biggest piece of that being the leadership and the mentorship that you receive at each of those. And having a, a strong digital leader for me was extremely important because there's a lot of time in this industry where we're kind of going out on our own and forging our own answers because digital is still being written. So each of those agencies presented different types of leadership, different types of mentors in the digital space. And that's where I felt I was really differing and learning the most. I lean pretty heavily on my mentors. How about yourself? Do you do that as well? I try not to because I like to just shut down after work and I don't want people calling me sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But there have been a few people that I have found really helpful when you're just kind of at the end of the day, absolutely stuck on a problem and need a bit of guidance. So I would say I lean heavily more on friends versus mentor. And I guess that's kind of a benefit of being able to say that, you know, some of your mentors are your friends. You took a pause from the agency world, though, and made a jump to the dark side in media sales at the Globe and Mail. What made you want to take that kind of career pivot? So, I mean, I'd love to have thought about a fluffy answer for that question. But the reality is, I think I was burnt out. One of the challenges in digital, and it's one of my passion points as well, is that you work through a lot of the same types of problems over and over. And education is a really big part of the role. So for me, after eight and a half years, I think I needed to step away and give myself a bit of time to take on a new challenge and decide if media was where I wanted to spend more of my time or whether or not I wanted to focus on a different line of, uh, of career. What did you learn about yourself uh, when you were in that sales role? I learned that I really missed media. Um, I like the, the fast pace. I need the chaos. I need that, um, you know, everything is going to go to hell in a handbasket if it's not done by 5 p.m. sort of vibe to keep myself motivated and passionate. And I loved sales and it really gave me great perspective on the other side of the business. But I think it helped me understand that media is really what I'm passionate about and where, where I kind of want to spend the next you know, few years of my career. You mentioned that it gave you perspective into the other side of the business. Does it make you a little bit more empathetic towards your sales counterparts that are still like me on the other side, chasing people for money? <laughs> it did and it didn't. It 
really made me appreciate my reps that work hard and I will always return an email and I will always return a phone call. Um, but it does also make you realize that media people don't have it so great some days and I need the salespeople to see that some days too and just kind of empathize with us that when I am like, hey, I'm sorry, like I can't get back to you um, until tomorrow that it is because we're going 110 miles per hour. So it was nice to see that um, I was a little bit spoiled at the Globe and Mail, but it was an excellent piece of experience for me. After that, you came back to the agency world. Where did you land and what were you doing? So when I came back, I landed at Touche as the director of the programmatic team, which was a completely new challenge for me. Uh, I spent some of my time at the end of my sales career really thinking about what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about. For me, that laddered up to being able to keep up with what was happening in the industry, uh, keeping my hand on the pulse with digital and tech. And I'm hugely passionate about education. So for me, it was trying to find something that combined all three of those points. I spoke to Tom Fotheringham, who I mentioned earlier, um, Daniela is also a big fan of. And that led me into my role at Touche. Still under the Omnicom banner, because correct me if I'm wrong, Touche is part of the Omnicom banner, right? That's correct. So you started to move up through the ladder internally there. Uh, what happened after you moved on from Touche? Where did you go after that within the group of uh, agencies? Uh, so that would put me at Red Magnet, which is my current position. So I left Touche after three and a half years, very sadly. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had in my career and moved over to Red Magnet, like I said, is the Rogers agency in Canada and took on the challenge of being the group director of strategy. And because it's Rogers, do you touch all lines of business? Do you touch media, mobile phones, home internet? Like, where do you come into their whole basket of brands? So we touch all the baskets of brands. Uh, I thankfully now split the lines of business with my colleague, Lucy, but we have visibility across all lines of business. So everything from wireless to connected home, which is internet and television, uh, as well as the business to business side and the media brands like television and radio. How does working on a company like Rogers stack up to, say, working on a company like, we'll pick on PepsiCo again, because PepsiCo was another client of yours that had multiple brands. It's really hard to explain. Rogers is a giant steam engine that we're trying to move into a world that's more agile. So we're trying to upgrade the steam engine into a, uh, a freight train. PepsiCo is CPG and it's just a different world. It's a different set of challenges. Uh, Rogers is day in, day out, a constant surprise. Give me an example, if you don't mind, of what a regular business challenge is that you have to try to solve daily for Rogers. So right now is a bit of a crazy time for us. And I think our biggest challenge is understanding the consumers and the change in their behaviors and the change in their consumption as it stands in the wake of COVID. So Telco, of course, is integral in everyone's life in this country, but the way that we use those products and services changes at the drop of a hat based on the markets. So for us, it's being agile, being able to understand the changes in the market and how they affect our consumers and how we can continue to deliver with sensitivity the right products, the right offerings, uh, and the right messaging and market for everyone. 
speaking of that, I did notice one thing about Rogers specifically, like you mentioned in the wake of COVID, that they had actually put together sort of a self-serve internet setup terminal where they were literally like describing basically you would get the internet terminal from them remotely and then you would have to set it up yourself uh, through a series, of, I guess, YouTube videos. I guess, th- is that one of the pivots you were talking about where you no longer have a technician coming in potentially to set it up for you? They have to rely on the consumer to do that heavy lifting. That's exactly it. So if you asked me one month ago what our plans were for Q2 for Rogers, they would be almost completely different. Um, but we've been able as a team, um, you know, working with Rogers to adapt to this new reality and be able to offer products and services for consumers that make sense in the changing world. So the contact list installation is one of those products, as well as being able to have a phone delivered to you um, without having to actually go into a Rogers store anymore. So it's been really important for us to figure out how we work to make the consumer the priority, um, but offer products and services for them at this time. Some rapid fire questions. Let's look back at your career to date. You can only pick one campaign. Is there one that you are most proud of? Uh, I would have to say that Entercare was probably one of my most proud campaigns slash client launches. They weren't the fanciest. They weren't the most exciting in the sense of, you know, they are HVAC products, but it was one of the first clients that myself and my team onboarded on an individual basis and brought them into the company at Touche, helped them, helped understand their strategy, understand what they had been doing before, and then were able to actually help drive uh, really great efficiencies for them because we had promised that through programmatic, we would help make their business stronger. And I think just the work that was put out by Touche and the work that my team was able to do for Entercare made me really proud. Are you an analytic, an analytic heavy person? Because I ask this question to as many of my guests as I can, and they usually find themselves talking about that big, sexy, integrated campaign. And here you are getting giddy about bringing the client CPA cost down. I would say I'm analytic to the point that if it solves the business problem we are trying to achieve, that's what has to matter to me. And for Entercare at the time, it was bringing their CPA down to a level that their um, senior leadership was comfortable with and that they were seeing that return on their media spend. So that became my goal is how can me and my team work towards that? So I really like to attack the business challenge. I like to understand the needs of that client, that campaign, look at that objective, and then figure out how we can be successful together, whatever that looks like. And sometimes that's a creative solution. And sometimes that means I'm going through reams and reams of Excel reports just to figure out how we make things work. Your favorite movie? This is a very hard one. Like I said, I'm a huge comedy fan. I love comedy movies and I watch a ton of them. But I would say Biodome has been one of my trusty all-time favorites. I'm also a huge fan of Step Brothers and oh, a, a million. I have a million movies I love. Your favorite video game? So I'm not a huge video game player, but I would say the one that I committed to the most was probably Call of Duty. And that was really uh, because I enjoyed listening to my guy friends just absolutely berate each other online (laughs) after work. It was a really good way to kind of um, let off some steam and have a few laughs before bed. Your favorite book? 
this is going to sound very childish, but one of my favorite books of all times is a kid's book written by Dean R. Kuntz. Uh, he's not really known for writing kid's books, but I found it in a secondhand store when I was probably a young teen, um, beautifully animated, kind of a short story, a little bit creepy, which is his style, but I have held that book sacred for many years. I know you're a big, big music lover, and I know that this next question was a difficult for one, one for you to answer. What's your favorite song? Oh, yeah. This is probably, this is one of those questions that I immediately think everyone will judge everything I say because I would do the exact same thing to anyone else who answered this. I grew up listening to vinyl. We were on a farm, so I didn't have a lot of, you know, great radio reception. We didn't really have CDs. So I would say probably my all-time favorite song is Going to California by Led Zeppelin, but I'm a huge classic rock fan, but I also am obsessed with new music. So at any one time, I'd say I probably have 10 favorite songs. What's the best advice you have ever received? When I look back on it, it's really funny because it came from someone I don't always credit with giving good advice, especially because his advice usually came while he was wearing a bathrobe at the office. Um, sometimes <laughs> with a wig. Um, I think I think what helped me the most was when I was junior in my career, I would come to him with a problem. I'd say, hey, I have a problem with this, or I'm not sure what's going on. What do I tell the clients? And I think it was out of frustration. He just said, stop coming to me with problems. Come to me with a solution. And nice. that really made me kind of step back and say, you're right. I can't just come to you with the problem. I need to take a step further and think about how could I provide a solution to this problem? And I felt like that helped me add value to my, my career. If you could go back in time and give your younger self advice, what would you say? Become rich and famous, marry a rich <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, keep your head down, Tara. Keep working. Don't go out partying um, at night. Take your career seriously, which I think I thankfully think I did. But you know, I'm very happy with where I ended up. And I think making changes in my in my past would have just led me down a different path. So I would just say, like, keep working hard. It's going to pay off. My signature closing question. If you weren't in media, what would you be doing and why? So this one's a funny little anecdote. But when I was probably eight years old, um, my grandmother actually gave me a pamphlet that said, you know, becoming a police officer. And I was like, why would you give me this? And I, I kind of laughed it off for a few years. But the older I get and the more I think about it, I think my grandmother knew something about me because if I weren't in media, I am almost 100% certain that I would have been a police officer. Tara, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.